Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast from a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Benjamin R. Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Hey, Adam. Hey, Ben. Are you still in L.A.? I'm once again recording from the uh, the uh, sweat lodge booth in Max Fun HQ. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. You the, taking uh, some ayahuasca in there? <laughs> after, after there's been some some pod being cast out of this room for a bunch of consecutive hours all day. It does get a little uh, a little hot in here. You feeling a little soupy? Mm-hmm. I turned on the fan and had the door open while I was waiting for you, so it cooled me off a bit, but I, I can kind of sense that by the end of this I might be, I might have a little beaded sweat on my brow. You typically like to enjoy a, a refreshing podcast fluid while you do pod. What's the, what's the maximum fun refrigerator stocked with? Uh, I saw some uh, some craft brews in there. Oh, I had yeah? some something to drink. I have work later, so oh. I didn't I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to partake and then be groggy for the next several hours that I have to yeah. be like on my feet and alert. You don't want to be beer breath guy. No, I've also got some uh, some some fairly bad jet lag from this trip. Really? I Which feel like is, uh, you travel to and from L.A. quite a bit, and, and it hasn't really been too much of an issue for you historically. I don't know if it's I'm getting older or if it's just a random bad trip for it, but I have totally bad jet lag. Like, I, you know, it's like, oh, I try to push myself to go to sleep at 10, and then I wake up at 3 a.m. Uh, that's brutal. When I got yeah. back from Japan, I think I had it as bad as I ever have. For some oh, yeah. reason, going west, it, I mean, I never go west. There's nothing west of us except, I guess, Hawaii, and we've done that a few times. But, like, I always go east when I go to Europe or, or New York or wherever. Like, right. jet lag going that way seems a lot easier to take. But going west, man, that'll fuck you up. <laughs> well, fuck you up. Well, do you want to see if I can get through a pod on a... Very little sleep, and <laughs> I, I have to say, I was watching this episode on the airplane, and the guy next to me was, like, trying to do a spreadsheet, was very distracted by it. <laughs> I don't know, man. If I were sitting next to someone uh, in the middle seat who was who was watching Imaginary Friend, I might be disturbed by that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I probably look like such a creep to that guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> are, you an, are you an aisle person or a window person, Ben? Uh, I am almost always an aisle person, but this was a rare window outing, and the only reason I did it was because it was the window seat right next to the door off of the airplane. Oh yeah, uh, which That's a good seat. it is on many planes, and in this one instance, it was so close to the door that the like bulging door made it pretty uncomfortable. Couldn't put your feet up on that raft. No, that's too bad. I, I, I tried to, and they uh, they tisk tisked me. Yeah, I bet. Don't want to put those wingtips up on that floater. No. I mean, I've already given the man next to me enough reasons to judge me. (laughs) He's got to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy's watching Star Trek. And not just Star Trek, this episode of Star Trek. (laughs) These girls get a lot of screen time. Let's get into it, Ben. Season 5, episode 22. Imaginary Friend. (laughs) 
Troy's having a little tea party with a girl, like a, I don't know, what are we, what are we going to say, like six, seven-year-old girl? Yeah, that sounds about right. But here's the thing about her, who we'll get to know as Clara. Like, she's, uh, she's wizened, you know? Like, she's a little girl, but she, uh, she seems, like, wise for her age, you know? I like to cook all kinds of stuff, like yogurt and raisin salad, chocolate chip pancakes, and purple omelets. Purple omelets. Well, she's got the precociousness of an only child, Adam. Yeah, that's true. She's got her dad, Ersatz Commander Data, sitting in the background there. He's, like, trying to distract himself with some uh, Minesweeper on his laptop. But uh, Clara's dad is 40-year-old Ensign. And, (laughs) Ben, I have so many questions about that. (laughs) Like, How did he get to the Enterprise as 40-year-old Ensign? You remember there was a Shimoda, Shimoda. two hundred episodes ago where there was <laughs> there was like a seventy year old engineer lady, like who yeah. had who had a couple of lines, and I was like, I was so impressed that that she was there, you know, knocking it around in engineering with the rest of them. Like, yeah, she's the only character we've seen with those tan shoes that, yeah. <laughs> that retirees wear. So comfortable. Yeah, I like. I would love a bottle episode of 40-year-old Ensign. Like, how did you get there? (laughs) Like, what led you to this place? Yeah. Maybe he was like a, maybe he was like a professional soccer player. And then he, he, he did like some broadcast journalism for a while (laughs) after that, but he decided that he wanted to really like try something genuinely different, you know, not in the sports biz at all. Yeah, he he tore a tendon as a star athlete. Then he opened up a shuttlecraft dealership. That mm-hmm. went under. Yeah, just sort of floated along for a while. <laughs> Thought, why not join the military? Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> we live in a perfect future. There's no age limit. <laughs> sure isn't. And this guy's hanging around in her daughter's therapy. Did you think this was appropriate, Ben? No. I have uh, struggled with mental health issues for much of my life, and uh, it was the most worst when I was a kid. Yeah. And having had uh, talk therapy available to me in a way that was genuinely private from my parents was incredibly important uh, when I was a child. I, or even like I imagine like you know before I turned eighteen it wasn't mm-hmm. genuinely private but mm-hmm. just the idea that I could talk to somebody about this stuff and just trusting this grown up with like giving my parents what they needed and not my deepest darkest yeah it was an important part of that for me the reason I ask that is because like I don't think it's giving anything away to say that this episode is not the most intense. <laughs> in terms of of what's happening here. Like, but I think you could add a little tension by not having dad in therapy and having him try to figure out what's up with his daughter by going through Troy to get it. Yeah. I thought it was a strange choice to just like sort of have him in the background. It didn't it was unnecessary. Yeah. The uh the deal with this little girl is she is a military brat. Like her dad is there's obviously something wrong 
with him because he's been shuffled from starship to starship, never gets a promotion, and uh, he's landed on the Entrepreneur, and she doesn't have a lot of real-life friends, so she's got an imaginary friend, and he is super concerned about the idea that she has an imaginary friend. Troy does her best to just sort of talk him down. She's like, look, girls her age, especially girls who, you know, get moved around from ship to ship because of their <laughs> their dad who can't seem to get a steady job. Like, <laughs> these things will happen, you know? Like, it's hard to construct a social group when you're going from place to place, from base to base. Like, like chill out, dad. And maybe why don't you go sit outside while we do therapy? There's, there's some yeah. advice for you. Stop looming. Do you really think this is uh, this is going to be good for your relationship when she's a teenager? <laughs> I think this is the development of some pretty significant trust issues. Yeah, this is uh, the dad that chaperones his daughter on her first date kind of kind of guy. Yeah. Did you ever have a, an imaginary friend, Adam? No, I never did. And like, I had friends who had imaginary friends, and I felt oddly jealous about that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was totally within my control to have one, I was like, oh, geez, why don't I have an imaginary friend? I think that that's kind of how I felt about it, too. <laughs> but I, I was like, is there something to it other than just walking around telling everybody you have an imaginary friend? Like That was hard to tell, yeah. Yeah. And and, and this episode, like, as as light and silly as it is, is actually like a pretty it's a pretty fun idea to toy with that as being like what if there was something to it yeah um but yeah so she's troy is like hey you know you know chill out and uh like let this thing let this thing unfold it's not like that famous new yorker article from 15 or 20 years ago where the imaginary friend has too many scheduling conflicts to ever meet up <laughs> i would say just chill out and the kid will be all right once she learns to make new friends on the Enterprise, you'll probably find that she'll leave her imaginary world behind. Isabella is uh, the name of Clara's imaginary friend. She's fairly available for whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, the entrepreneur pulls into the Con Nebula with a uh, with some nice color filtering on it to make it look like maybe it's a different nebula, even though we know it's not. Looks good. <laughs> Looks good with the with the gel on it. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, um, they graded it all all red, and uh, they pull in, and they're gonna like explore this nebula, which is an unusual formation because it formed around a neutron star. And as they like start driving through this bad part of town, take us in, Anson. One quarter impulse. Aye, sir. A little glowing light slips into the ship, which is a thing that we've seen depicted before, right? Ben, like, not two episodes ago, the ship got hit with stripper glitter, and now it's <laughs> happening again. Yeah, but it's also been, like, a ball of light that slipped in and then, like, floated around the ship, right? There's right. that episode where, uh, what were they, like, it was, like, taking over Picard or something? The ball of light comp is something they've gotten tremendous value out of for the duration of the show. This is a good version of the comp, I want to say. Yeah. Like it, it's pretty, like, I don't quite know how they did this. It looks really good. Yeah. Like, it's the, there's definitely something practical in it, but I think it's also comped in. But, like, those are real lens flares, right? That's not an effect. Yeah, that looked really good. 
Well, anyways, this thing floats around the ship, and we get sort of a fun tour through the ship, like getting some conversation in passing of different people. I really liked just getting to like be a fly on the wall for like Data Jordy talking over how they're going to explore this cool nebula. Will two hours be enough time to complete the high-resolution series on the neutron star? No problem. We'll just double up the main sensor bandwidth while they're freeing up the lateral units. Dr. Crusher needling Nurse Ogawa about some new romantic relationship she has. He has shore leave next month. He asked me to go to Risa with him. No problem. Nurse McCluggage can come for you. Yeah, you, you play a little around the horn. They're really sort of doubling down on Ogawa right now and her backstory. I don't think I'm going, Doctor. I hear it's a very uninhibited atmosphere. Personally, I don't think I'm ready for that kind of fun. It wasn't too long ago where she was in frame as someone who should have dialogue, but who was totally silent. <laughs> it made me wonder why Ogawa still has a front zip. Yeah. She's been on the show like five times now. Shouldn't she have a back zip uniform at this point? If you're an actor, that's a bad sign, I think. Yeah. If you're still rocking the front zip, I think <laughs> yeah, you're you not gotta, long for the show. you got to be nervous about that front zip. Yeah. Like, if you can zip yourself into costume instead of having wardrobe do it for you, like, there's there's sort of a class system going on there, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you like gotta, you gotta just go over picture there and her. Put it on yourself. <laughs> yeah, you picture her zipping it up and looking longingly as they zip Beverly into yeah. hers. Yeah, <laughs> zip her into her wig. <laughs> well, uh, this thing winds up slipping into Clara's brain, and Clara looks up, and her imaginary friend Isabella has appeared in the Arboretum. Hello, Clara. Incarnate as a, you know, similarly aged little blonde girl. She appears as she was described in the therapy session to Troy. Like, blue dress, white buttons, taller, like, checking all the boxes. Like, this Mm -hmm. this is the girl. She's not interested in planning starts in the Arboretum for Keiko. No. She's got she's got other things in mind. Like yeah. from jump, it's pretty clear that Isabella is like the bad kid that's always roping you into some scheme and you fucking know you're going to get in trouble. Isabella is the Macaulay Culkin to Clara's Elijah Wood in this <laughs> in this story. And yeah, that's does a good not way to put it. <laughs> does not pay off my prediction that she would have a deep voice. Like, oh, yeah. even though she's possessed, she does not have a possession deep voice. No, she is, like, pretty creepy, though. She definitely yeah. has, like, a, a a an even-keeled neutral tone that kind of chills you to your core because children are supposed to be vivacious and silly. Even Clara calls her on it. She's like, you know, uh, you haven't smiled since you showed up and I think that's a little weird and then she pulls into that robotic like data like smile with the yeah. dead eyes like the school picture smile you see all the time like where where the photographer just tells a kid to smile and it's only in the mouth and not the eyes mm. yeah you gotta get it in the eyes you gotta tell that kid a knock knock joke or something gotta, gotta do more than jingle your keys buddy I'm very <laughs> sorry I'm trying to get the landing right you must understand Go back to Sears where you belong. Quiet 
I think this is about when the ship starts getting like little micro bangers. They keep like kind of like you know when you like drive over grass on one side of your car, mm-hmm. and it's like ah. Uh, I hate the way that feels. Like it's a little slow on one side. Yeah. Uh, they're like, what? Is, what is? What is going on here? And so they start looking into it, and they're just, they're just totally stumped. They're like, it kind of feels like the ship is hitting something, and the the shields are definitely registering. Like there's there's a dip in power, but the sensors are coming up empty. I don't have an explanation, Captain. We seem to hit something, and we started losing speed. And that ends up being the B story. The once again, the <laughs> existential threat to the ship is put on the back burner in favor of a couple of kids running around the ship unsupervised. And Ben, it much like a couple of Ferengis uh, getting beamed on board the ship and then completely uh, unwatched. Like <laughs> kids just have free reign on a Federation starship, don't they? Like, yeah. there are no areas, like, they can, I guess, hop on a turbo lift, tell the lift to go to a deck that is, it, that that has some sort of, like, significant defensive reason for being, and they can just walk around and be there. It's weird. The power capabilities of American naval vessels that yeah. are powered by nuclear reactors are typically classified. Like, they won't even tell you what they can do. Yeah. These kids can wander into engineering. Right. <laughs> they bump into the chief of security and he's like, I'm going to look the other way this one time. Shouldn't Worf, like, kind of, like, there's a thousand people on board, but Worf should have a, a good sense in his head of, like, who those people are, right? I think it's time to actually put a label on this. I <laughs> I think... I think Worf is bad at security. <laughs> and I think he always has been. We make excuses for him. We say, you know, he's struggling with this inner conflict of being a Klingon in a in a human society. He's dealing with being a single father. He's always been bad at security. Do you think that Worf is an example of the Peter principle? Yeah. He's he's been in, promoted into a job that he can never be promoted out of, but he's not good at it. He's bringing the whole organization down, Adam. He's been chadiched up. <laughs> the chadich principle. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so So like, here's another here's another question, Ben. Like this is an alien possession that we're witnessing. There's no doubt about that at this point in the episode. Why does and why does this alien need to possess, like, why does this alien need to take the form of this girl to do her recon on the ship? I never understood the reason for being from for this imaginary girl. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we have to wonder, like, when it was a uh, Bucky sphere of light light points floating around the ship, did it... Did it know what it was looking at when it stopped in Six Bay and saw Nurse Ogawa and Beverly kibitzing over some date Nurse Ogawa went on? Did it did it know what it was looking at when Data and Jordy walked by? Like, what if it had gone into Jordy's head and then Leah Brahms was suddenly there? <laughs> it's interesting to think about 
like whether or not this alien made choices along the way. Like cruising right, like, by Nurse Ogawa, she's like, nope, boring. Right, because cruising like, by Jordy, nope, creepy. Because <laughs> like I, I, I think that at the like toward the end, and um, this kind of is a spoiler, but who gives a fuck? This is an <laughs> old TV show. Uh, you know, it becomes clear that the alien consciousness has been seeing the world through the underdeveloped eyes of a child like it understands the world in a childlike way Mm -hmm. because it modeled itself on this imagined child within the mind of another child so it's like it's playing childhood telephone yeah (laughs) so like like i guess that sort of excuses it but it is dumb it's sort of like that star trek 4 problem right like an alien gets a message that sounds like whales from earth alien thinks whales are are the leaders of earth it's sort of like what uh what the sparkly guy tries to figure out by boarding the enterprise like what Mm -hmm. is a significant thing or being to communicate with and and who is the best conduit to do that through if all you're doing is cruising around the ship and looking at people you have no idea how to figure out who who to embody to make that possible yeah, I mean, I think what you want to do, Adam, is send send somebody to Earth to figure out whether or not they're made of meat. These creatures are the only sentient race in this sector, and they're made out of meat. You got to do that meat recon. It's ridiculous. Meat can't make machines. This turns out to be a Guinan episode, Adam. I was crushed when she showed up here. <laughs> because I know we have a very limited amount of Guinan episodes to burn with her. And there and, have been so many really awesome episodes that she would have been such an interesting presence in. Especially this season, we've been like, this would have been a perfect scenario for Guinan to be in. And instead, yeah. we get her on a kid episode. The first scene that she is in is a total slide whistle. It's like her and Data looking out at the nebula, and she's telling him what the different clouds look like to her. It's a Sumerian coral fish with its fin unfolded. He's, you know, dating everything back at her. I believe what you're seeing is the effect of the fluid dynamic processes inherent in the large-scale motion of rarefied gas. And then he does like a joke. Besides, it is clearly a bunny rabbit. He pulls a piscopo, doesn't he? He really does. And it's like, so is Data joking now or not? Like... (laughs) Like, what's this, what is this, what are we meant to understand from this scene? It feels like a wouldn't it be funny thing that happened in the writer's room that made the script and they were like, yeah, this is never going to make the episode, but we'll just leave it <laughs> until we come up with something else. It, it's really weak. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say weak. I mean, it's cute. It's too cute for data. Yeah. And it's too cute for Guinan. I know. She's so much better than this. Yeah. Well, they bring um, they bring Clara down to 10 forward because, you know, what's the deal? She comes she So comes the thing in. with Isabella is, is she's like she's like the cool kid in school that wants to do the bad oh, thing. Oh, Adam, look at this. Guinan was not originally supposed to be in the episode, but... Whoopi Goldberg became available suddenly, and they wrote that that stuff into the script a day before shooting. God, occasionally the research pays off, huh? Yeah. 
<laughs> it almost makes me think we should have done this show in a very different way, Adam. <laughs> Nicely done, Ben. Totally redeems the whole episode. <laughs> um, I mean, if you've got a guy in an opportunity, I gotta imagine it's really hard not to take it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Whoopi. Um, we actually have a terrible episode that we're making right now, so so maybe if you hang back on this one. That hat's not going to wear itself. Why don't you uh, <laughs> walk past that actress? I don't even know who she is zipping her, her front zip into her uniform and go get into the wardrobe. <laughs> so Isabella is like the bad girl of of child actors. She's like the bad girl character on on board the ship, and she wants to go to all the places the kids aren't allowed to go. She wants yeah. to go to engineering. She wants, she to, wants go to, to smoke to, in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, she wants to make out under the bleachers, and she wants to go to the bar. And evidently, like we get some, we get some world building on Ten Forward. Kids not allowed in Ten Forward without adult yeah. supervision. Worf wasn't at the uh, door checking IDs like he's normally supposed to. Yeah, inside right wrist. <laughs> you know, uh, and and this is a big liability issue for bars. You know. Yeah, uh, in a lot of Western states, especially, yeah, it becomes a, you know, a big fine for the bar, and uh, and it can it can put you out of business. But Guinan is like, hey, I'm I'm cool. I'll let a couple of underage people in here. Maybe so that's what got Guinan in trouble the first time. Maybe she sold booze to to underage kids, and then she got briefly imprisoned. <laughs> Picard was her lawyer. She just won't learn her lesson. <laughs> um, she's like, I'm going to let you be my special guest, Clara. Why don't you take a seat? What do you and Isabella want to drink? And uh, Clara goes like, oh, like, it's really cool of you to be accommodating of my imaginary friend. A lot of adults don't think she's real. It's weird that Isabella is the predator. Guinan has proven that she can see things that aren't there she can see through time both forward and backwards mm-hmm. but she can't see the predator that's right in front of her yeah i mean Why? maybe she can and she just knows it's not that big a deal she's like eh, the ship will deal with these idiots yeah maybe maybe she's seen the future and knows they'll be fine she's willing to play clara's game yeah Guinan kind of like talks to Clara about her past as having a an imaginary friend and she's I almost feel like she's just kind of like buying time for a, a responsible person to come get Clara and take her out of the bar sort because, of like uh, a department store employee finding a lost kid like yeah I'll get you a, a slurpee and sit right here we'll we'll get on the PA and try to get your mom for you <laughs> yeah and uh and Troy comes down and you know, they like get on the elevator, and Troy is like, is like, hey, like, you know, you've been you've been getting into some bad shit lately, and you know, you need you need to know that that's not good. And Claire's like, oh, well, you know, none of that was really my idea. All of that was Isabella, um, who's totally real. And Troy does that super condescending thing of like, all right, well, I'll ask her not to get you in trouble anymore. And so she, like, turns to empty space in the elevator. She's like, Isabella, knock it off with going to places you know you're not allowed to go. And Claire's like, uh, she's not standing there. She's standing over there, Troy. It's weird that this is this is some more convenient Beta Z uh, 
powerlessness in this scene too like uh-huh. troy can't get a read on anything else in the turbo lift with those two yeah but this scene winds up being really creepy yeah <laughs> because she uh she gets an answer back from isabella who is in- invisible in this scene um isabella like like clara like leans forward and listens to the empty space and she's kind of scared to tell troy what isabella said And Troy's like, you better tell me what she said. She said, you better leave us alone. There is no Isabella, there is only Zool. (laughs) Step off, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, And they like, they play this for all the creepiness it's worth. I thought the child actor who played Clara did a great job here. Yeah. Like, in this scene specifically, but also throughout. Like, mm-hmm. she carries a fucking Star Trek episode, which is unique in and of itself. Right. It is so weird for them to introduce a character, like, put an entire episode on their shoulders, and have that character be a small child. None of the slickbacks could carry an episode the way no. this girl does. She did great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, queen of the slickbacks. <laughs> Troy Troy uh, pulls 40-year-old Ensign aside, and she's like, Hey, listen, man, I uh, I got a load of your apartment, and the fact that you have a bunch of action figures still in their packaging mm-hmm. stapled up to the wall is just super creepy. <laughs> you got to put that stuff on eBay, dude. No wonder you've never been laid. Uh, no, but she, she does say, like... Uh, <laughs> This, this imaginary friend might actually be kind of a problem now that I think about it. So let's try and actively discourage Clara from chilling with Isabella. And so the next scene is Clara's like hanging out with Isabella alone in the apartment. And Troy goes down and she's like, hey, do you want to go do some, some pottery in the, uh, in the ship's school? She's like, yeah, can Isabella come? She's like, how about if Isabella does not come? And they they leave together, and we get the most insane, like, push-in rage eyes on this little child actor. And they even go so far as to turn her corneas, like, purple <laughs> when, when she gets angry. It's, it's a little too much for a show that is known for doing too much before going to commercial, you know? <laughs> like, yes. typically they stop at the push-in... Not this time. No. Well, let's inflame those eyes. Yeah. Let's kick it up a notch. Yeah. So I think we've both really missed scenes inside the elementary school, and that's where we go next <laughs> for uh, for pottery class. Yeah. And uh, although some of the kids are doing pottery, Alexander is playing with the same type of meatloaf that his forehead is made <laughs> out of. It's got to be so confusing for him. <laughs> yeah. Where does the loaf end? <laughs> He, I mean, to his credit, he is making a badass-looking chalice. Yeah, yeah, that shit looked dope. It looked, it looked appropriate for a Klingon pimp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you put some Klingon lean in that, which I guess is like prune juice mixed with codeine cough syrup. Cough syrup. Yeah, it's <laughs> looking the same thing. Um, and Alexander's being a pretty cool 
customer here, right? He's like showing Clara how to do clay. This is like, the least annoying that Alexander has been so far, <laughs> I think. And I guess he like he gets distracted at some point and invisible Isabella starts fucking with the situation and like throwing clay at him and knocking over the the chalice and stuff. Pretty aggro. <laughs> it was really mean. I'm glad they didn't do the thing where, like, clearly the chalice is on a string and it's, like, floating around the room. Like, <laughs> Isabella has the good sense to just wing the mud from off screen. Yeah. I feel like Alexander's come a long way because initially he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Claire? Why'd you knock my shit over? And then, like, he starts getting pelted <laughs> with mud. <laughs> And it's, like, clear that something supernatural is going on. But he doesn't go ape. Like, I think he would have gone ape a couple episodes ago, right? If he was more genetically Klingon, I think a lot of kids would have been in danger in that room. (laughs) Yeah. He would have Wolverine that entire classroom. Yeah. Well, Isabella's uh, just getting started with knocking things over. Uh, Troy goes back to her, her office and is like, trying to go over her her schedule for the next week and some chocolate gets knocked over and uh this is starting to creep her out that's one line you don't cross with deanna troy (laughs) yeah she's like oh now i'm angry (laughs) you want to put those red eyes into deanna troy you knock over her hot chocolate So I guess the uh, the B slash C storyline that we've been kind of ignoring has been developing a bunch, and what they've discovered is that inside this nebula are these fibrous energy strings that have sort of caught the ship up, sort of like walking through thick brush going through this nebula, and it's starting to get like kind of stressful. They're like, it doesn't really look like there's a great way out of this nebula because it's thicker behind us than it was when we first came in. And they seem to have like kind of figured out what the deal is with the bangers that they've been encountering. I mean, there's sort of like a jungle analogy here. They, they've gone into this nebular jungle and the the brush has just grown thick all around them and they and the ship is sort of becoming entangled in something that they, that they can't see right so yeah like they they figured out how to illuminate it but it's it's unclear like what the <laughs> what the solution is it's sort and of a uh, fun scene when they illuminate the strands it's sort of like turning on turning your lights on in fog or like, like turning a black light on in riker's quarters <laughs> Picard stands up out of his seat and he like he's like remarkable. <laughs> Seeing him do this made me think a very serious question, Ben, which is has any character in any episode said the word wow <laughs> when when something happens? I don't think it's been said. I don't think that word has been said. I think that is criminal. Is it Jordy has it, ever said wow? Is is it in the show Bible that you can never be impressed by something that happens in that way? I didn't travel with the show Bible or I would be looking that up, Adam. Yeah. I don't know. There's a there's a website with all of the scripts to the show. Ooh. I'm going to do a word search for WoW and see if it's ever been said. <laughs> I'm putting the over-under 
at one, and I'm taking the under. Mm. I don't think it's been said. I'll take the over. What's the bet? I don't know, Ben. <laughs> Have to think of something. We'll think of something before the end of the show, and then okay. we'll never pay it off. <laughs> That's our way. Yep. Um, speaking of problems they don't really know how to solve, uh, Troy goes to 10 forward to bum out with some chocolate, and Guinan comes up to her, and she's like, oh, uh, any space in the terracotta pot there? Let me uh, let me slide in and talk to you. Troy in this scene is like that that pot that you plant herbs in that's got like a bunch of holes on the side of the pot in addition to the hole in the top. Have you seen yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. She just nestles into one of those where the time would go. Right. Yeah. Guinan is over there in the basil <laughs> section. And uh, this is like one of those scenes where like Guinan stays super thirsty for that counselor position, I think. Yeah. And uh, she she talks to Troy about the imaginary friend that she had and how she decided not to abandon it. And it's just something that is a comfort to her as an adult. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was a pretty groovy admission. But It bugged me a little bit that Guinan basically tells the same story to Troy as she told to, to Clara at the bar earlier. Yeah. And I think this just serves to underscore the idea that her dialogue was written the day before. Yeah. Like, got to squeeze her in there. Troy is uh, saved by the bell in reacting to this by uh, the 40-year-old Ensign calling her down to his quarters where Clara is totally freaked out. And um, she, like, doesn't want to go into her room because she's scared that Isabella is in there. Like, Isabella has turned into the monster under the bed. And Troy's like, well, I'll go in there with you and I'll look under the bed. And Adam, I was really disappointed that they didn't just have Isabella be under the bed when they yeah. looked. I thought yeah. that would have been terrifying. Me too. Looking out from under the bed like that clown. With those red eyes? Yeah. Ooh, it would have been, been so freaky. Why didn't they do that? Frakes would have done that. Instead, I think what you're scared by is the amount of neglect 40-year-old Ensign has had for his daughter. Because <laughs> when Troy looks in her closet, there are five changes of clothes in there, Ben. I don't yeah. know how many children you have in your life, like little cousins or like neighbors, friends or whatever, but there is no person of Clara's age <laughs> I know that has less than like 40 pieces of clothing. It's like on one of those stupid shows on HGTV where they like redo the master and they show the closets and they have just a laughably small amount of clothing in the closets to present them as being some sort of amazing way of organizing your shit. (laughs) That's not how closets are. When Troy opens the closet door, I expected her to turn to 40-year-old Ensign and be like, seriously? (laughs) Really? (laughs) This is abuse. There's not even a princess costume in here. Yeah. You monster. And, uh, instead she turns around and gets laser beamed by Isabella. <laughs> Marina Sirtis still doing her own stunts. Yeah. Still, uh, still flying backwards. Her stunt is backwards, isn't it? It's always flying back. I feel like she has so much, so much wig hair in this episode that she can fly backwards as fast as she wants and she will bounce off those curls. The hair really sells the move. Yeah. So Troy wakes up in Six Bay and she's like, Well, we've got a problem, Cap. 
<laughs> the imaginary friend ain't so imaginary after all. And she's, like, issuing threats. She's behind all this shit with the ship being stuck. And there's more coming. She was 11, maybe 12. Blonde hair. And uh, you gotta talk to her. So he goes down to the Arboretum with Clara. And they, like, they have to, like, convince Isabella to show herself. And uh, she comes out and her beef is basically, like life is really unfair for kids and and I hate adults and that's why uh, that's why I'm being such an asshole and P.S. your ship makes amazing amounts of energy and I think that shit is delicious so I want to eat it nom 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 she has that argument that kids have sometimes which is like if there's a father's day and a mother's day why isn't there a kid's day <laughs> adults yeah. are adults just don't understand yeah. Claire's got like a Dr. Crusher level sleep get up in this scene. Picard lawyers the shit out of her. Out of Isabella, yeah. Yeah. Picard's like, look, we know when you fly on the Enterprise, you have your choice of bodies to inhabit. We're glad you inhabited one of ours. But, <laughs> but when you choose a body and that body happens to be a little girl, there are different rules for little girls than there are for adult people. And when you see the ship through the eyes of a child, you see you see how there are basically no safeguards for that child whatsoever. <laughs> a child can just wander up to the top of the warp core and dive to the bottom, going into any door they choose. Like, isn't it weird that, like, the way Picard lawyers Isabella, like completely ignores the idea that they have had free reign of the ship the entire time. <laughs> Isabel is bitching about not being able to go anywhere or do anything that she wants to do. That hasn't been the case at all. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, a real testament to Lawyer Picard's skills as an orator because he convinces her of this despite it being absurd on its face. If one of only four childhood dresses don't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> I am acute as a ball. You will assist us. They call off the bigger, scarier ball of light aliens. Isabella turns into a ball of light of her own, and they they fly out of there after, you know, Picard and Clara have made their impassioned plea, and all of the sinews in the nebula vanish, and the Enterprise is free to go, and as they're pulling out, Picard is like, yo, toss them some nice, tasty energy. They earned it. He's like, uh, aim these udders into the bucket. <laughs> Let's give these aliens some delicious energy milk. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it was always so easily within his power. Yeah. Let's feed the beast. Gotta feed that beast. It seems to be what space aliens, like aliens that actually live in space universally want right you, are you talking about that teat that teat though that teat <laughs> it's weird how like the frequency of aliens to vengeful aliens that we get it's so easy to get into these misunderstandings and then when you get into a misunderstanding with an alien they want to destroy you happens yeah. every time 
it's pretty consistent at this point. Yeah. Pretty dangerous out there. Did you like this episode, Adam? As it was going on, I was thinking no. No, because I don't like episodes that are that are put on the backs of child actors. Mm-hmm. No, because I didn't want to see the elementary school anymore or Alexander. <laughs> no for a variety of reasons, but like by the end, I was sort of satisfied with its conclusion. Yeah, I it's got like a button that's, you know, you would never get with two characters that you didn't care about. Yeah. Uh it's it's Isabella like basically saying goodbye to Clara. And, it's uh, fairly they're abrupt. Kind of a, they're they're finally on this real basis where Clara's like you're an alien, but for a while you were actually my imaginary best friend. And that's pretty like that's pretty wild. Like I feel like that's actually earned, you know. Do you think Clara, like, do you think the frequency of Clara's therapy, like, goes up big time after this? Like, <laughs> because holy shit, like, she was sort of crazy, and then her her craziness was proven real. Right. Like, how how does... How does she engage with her own childish imagination from here yeah. on out without being Base- totally freaked out? Baseline reality is going to be really hard to get her hands around for the rest of her life. Yeah. Like, I I think she and her dad are probably going to need to transfer to a star base to really, like, figure <laughs> this out for a long time. Yeah. I'm afraid that the button we don't get on this episode is that we've ruined a child's life. <laughs> Pretty dark. Yeah. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose what I can depend on 
when I could use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda, imaginary or otherwise? Drunk Shimoda! Take important stuff, stack it up, doesn't give a fuck, everybody's drunk, and Tasha Yar's getting robot humped. Ben, 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 no! Drunk Shimoda! Drunk Shimoda! I did, Adam. Uh, I'm giving mine to Troy uh, in this episode. I think the second scene between Troy and Guinan, like where Troy is like, is uh, bumming out over a piece of chocolate cake is my favorite Troy guy in an interaction to make fun of <laughs> because Troy has the most daggery of dagger eyes for Guinan the entire time. She's like, tell me you want my job. Tell me. I fucking dare you. <laughs> Beg for it. <laughs> Any screen cap of Troy in this scene you show it to somebody like is this woman pissed and be like oh yeah she's fucking pissed <laughs> she's not she's like nothing she says says i'm pissed but she's clearly pissed yeah yeah some nice nonverbal acting right here really good <laughs> how about you do you have a shimoda yeah um ben i think one of the funniest things in comedy is someone who has confidence when they shouldn't have it mm-hmm. like that's sort of a comedy trope right yeah 
And Worf gets a moment of that when he stops Isabella and Clara in the hallway in a place where they're not (laughs) supposed to be. This area is not designated for children. And like has an interaction with a child that is not Alexander that actually works. (laughs) <laughs> like like he's he sort of cool dads them a little bit into going back to their quarters and we sort of pull back and and push into to Worf's face and we get like that sense of pride that like yeah I had an interaction with a child that didn't make them cry way to go me I think I might be turning the corner here this is great and that like <laughs> that false confidence was hilarious to me so yeah. I'm giving it to Worf. Nice. What do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season five, episode 23, Iborg, Picard and the crew suffer from conflicting emotions when the entrepreneur rescues a critically injured Borg. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Ben, sometimes I'll have a Borg for like a year or two, but at the end of that second year, my Borg starts glitching and turning off on its own starts dropping <laughs> calls I hate it oh yeah it forces me to buy a new Borg like they, before the contract is over they tell you to upgrade the software and then the battery lasts half as long yeah that fucking Borg genius bar too not helpful <laughs> yeah they're fucking crisp brand new t-shirts and their weird implants yeah yeah really condescending too when they all talk to you at once when they all talk down to you at once oh i can see why that would be a really frustrating problem (laughs) you will transport your phone to the genius bar (laughs) yeah um this is a foundational episode in the series this is a big one this is like one of the two tent poles i think in season five I, I think you're probably right uh i'm i'm uh eager to see it and we don't have any vetoes so we will see it I haven't seen it in a long time. I am curious about if it holds up. Me too. One thing that has held us up from the start has been the support of our viewers, and this episode is coming out at a pretty special time in our show's lifespan, and that is Pledge Drive time. Yeah, the Max Fun Drive, you know, you've, you've uh, probably, if you are listening to this during the Max Fun Drive, you've heard a couple of uh, break-ins about it. Um, and we just uh, really appreciate everybody that supports the show. Um, I think that in this day and age, especially, I'm starting to get really, uh, really keen on financially supporting the media that's meaningful to me. I really value Netflix for not being loaded down with advertisements, and I really um, value you know great reporting in the newspapers that I subscribe to. And uh, I think it's it's really worth uh, you know putting a uh, c- putting a couple of bucks every month towards something if it really means something to you. And if uh, if if you feel like we've uh, added some value to your day, uh, consider us uh, in your in your monthly media budget. Yeah, I mean, it. We have a stupidly large viewership, like I, that. I think surprises us every day, and. <laughs> I don't think it would take much at all. Like, it would take very little from a lot of our viewership to make a really huge difference in the production of our show. And just the idea that we could continue making shows like this that we put out as often as we do with the production value that we give it. 
Yeah, I mean, we've talked uh, privately a, a bunch about how we each basically spend an entire day every week working on this show between, you know, episode prep, recording, and editing. And, uh, you know, if we were making our day rate, uh, that would be really easy to justify. And, um, you know, I think we're trending toward that, but uh, we don't yet. So it uh, is really exciting to think that enough people out there might be enough people out there that really value this to make it just kind of a, a part of our careers. As, uh, as as silly as that sounds. <laughs> I mean, a lot of our viewers have asked from the start if we had a Patreon or any other uh, way that they could they could fund the show. And it's as easy today as it's ever been. Uh, Max Fun Drive uh, just happens to give away prizes and special content to people who donate at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yeah, so uh, donate now. You'll get a bunch of great bonus content right away. And... Um if, uh, if you are listening to this during the fun drive, you'll also get some sweet, sweet prizes. If you've been putting off supporting the show uh, up until now, now is a great time to do it, and we'd really appreciate it if you did. We are overwhelmed with gratitude for all the people that already have, and, uh, and we really appreciate it if you're considering it. So thanks so much. Also have to thank Dark Materia, who does our theme and interstitial music, as well as Adam Ragusia, who creates a number of our other music beds and is the guy we call when there are audio emergencies. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, uh, Adam has been super helpful for this show. Uh, thanks to the folks at Max Fun HQ who have been just busting their butts running the Max Fun Drive. It's a, it's a ton of work, and um, they're just a, a great group of people who really throw their hearts and souls into this. And uh, I think they, you know, the, the content that Max Fun puts out is so good. Uh, I, I'm. I think we're both really honored to be named among the shows on the network it was uh it was a dream come true the day we joined the network and it remains that for me well with that we will be back at you next time with another great episode of star trek the next generation and an episode of the greatest generation that you should probably kill but you named it and so now you're feeling kind of connected to it and it feels weird <laughs> Do you write those ahead of time? They no, always I sound just, so natural. I just came up with that. God, you're really good at that. I'm glad you do the buttons on our show. I think I would trip and fall through all of them. <laughs> I trip and fall through like 70% of them. Yeah. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.